This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. I'm your host, Laura Alexander-Wittig, CEO and founder of Brightly, the number one destination for conscious consumers around the world. At Good Together, we value the planet over perfection and believe that you can make positive things happen for the planet every day by being a conscious consumer and an informed citizen. Listen in as I chat with various experts about living and consuming responsibly. living should be easy, but oftentimes it doesn't quite feel like that. Brightly believes that small, planet-focused lifestyle swaps can help us all fight back against climate change every single day. Part of being a conscious consumer means that when it's time to buy a new item, considering a product that is eco-friendlier than the alternative can actually make a difference. Brightly's shop focuses on easy, effective eco-products designed to help you reduce waste and make smart, planet-focused decisions around your house every day, whether it's stopping food waste with our Veggie Saver bag or eliminating single-use plastic wrap with our bowl covers. Pick from dozens of our favorite eco-swaps that have been thoroughly vetted and tested by our team, including yours truly, who has just done so much testing. <laughs> so head to brightly.eco slash shop and use code GOODTOGETHER to receive 20% off your first order with us. Hey there, Good Together listeners. I am really, really thrilled for today's episode because it is a, you know, we're going to sit here and answer a question that gets asked every single year um, around this time of the year, multiple times, which is what's going on with our Christmas trees, right? So um, at the time of this recording, we haven't quite gotten into Thanksgiving, but by the time you listen to this, we'll be in the full swing of things from a holiday season perspective. And you know, you're going to be out there. If you celebrate Christmas, you're going to be decorating Christmas trees all over the place. But the big debate we always get asked about, which is which is better for the environment, real or artificial Christmas trees? So this week, I'm really excited to welcome Andy Fenton to the podcast. He's a Massachusetts-based forest ecologist for the Nature Conservancy. So welcome, Andy. Thanks for having me, Laura. This is great. Yes. Um, so, Andy, I wonder if you could get us started by just doing a really brief introduction of yourself and your work that you've been, um, you know, focused on for the past few years. Sure. Um, I work for the Nature Conservancy, and the Nature Conservancy works in every state and around the world to tackle the crises of climate change and biodiversity loss. We implement innovative solutions to these challenges for the benefit of both nature and people. As you mentioned, I'm a forest ecologist. I've been with the Nature Conservancy for 24 years. Wow. <laughs> uh, I, I love forests. I love trees. Any day I get to talk about trees is a good day. So <laughs> I'm really looking forward to our discussion today. I love it. And, you know, so so like I said, this is, um, you know, people ask us all the time, real or fake? What should I do? And we, of course, have done our own research and point to our own bits and pieces that we've been able to find, you know, through trusted sources, but I've never had a chance to actually talk to an expert about this. So I'm super excited. So I think before we actually get directly into the, the specific debate about Christmas trees themselves, I kind of wanted to set the stage with holiday waste, because this is something where I think in the excitement of the holidays, we get caught up with purchasing many things and 
you know, purchasing, um, whether we're talking about a real or a fake tree, can really add on to an already high amount of waste. And so typically we're, we're thinking about, just to kind of um, ground ourselves here, um, the average American produces about five pounds of trash per day, which equates to about 35 pounds of trash every week. So that's quite a lot. Um, unfortunately, during the holidays, that does, uh, you know, start to increase. So we start to see about six um, and uh, six and a quarter pounds per person per day. So it definitely rises up. Um, and, you know, if we're thinking about population of 330 million people here in the United States, that means, I mean, we're talking about millions and millions, uh, billions and more pounds of garbage mm -hmm. being generated per week during the holidays. So, um, you know, I think that this is a really important topic. And, um, you know, I'd be curious to know, Andy, like with your family, like, did you ever think about that? Do you ever think about the waste to kind of outside of the, of the, the Christmas tree debate? Uh, sure. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I notice it a lot with uh, plastics and packaging and tr we, tr we try to make, you know, consumer choices that, uh, that minimize that. It, it is really hard. It's, oh, everything yeah. is, everything is heavily packaged and, um, I've, I've found myself in the store with something in my hand asking myself, do I really need this? Uh, literally because of the packaging, not because of the product and, yeah. and not purchasing it for that reason. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, you know, we live in, a, we're fortunate to live in a part of the, the country and the world that uh, focuses on recycling. Um, but I definitely believe in, you know, reducing and reusing and, and recycling when we can uh, Absolutely. all across the board. But so, yeah. yes, it's very much in our consciousness. Oh, absolutely. And I and I and I ask you that because we think the same thing in my family. I mean, we try our very best to reuse wrapping supplies. So, you know, gift wrap, if you use the paper kind, can be hard to reuse. But the uh, ribbons and kind of trimmings when I'm when we're done opening presents, um, I typically like to collect them all and store them away, which my mom used to do that. We used to as kids like ask her why she was doing that. We didn't get it. But but I really get it now. And, you know, um, Brightly actually came out with a holiday waste report recently, and we found, um, you know, some of the biggest offenders are food waste, returns, and wrapping supplies that like we just talked about. And so all of these things really do add up. But I mean, truly, Christmas trees can absolutely play into this. And so, you know, I'm curious to know, like, you know, let, let's start with it. I mean, you know, what are we going to, let's just, just answer the question. Are real Christmas trees worse for the planet or is that a myth? That's a myth. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. All right, yeah. let's get into it. We'll talk yeah. about like what right. we can do with the fake ones in a while, but let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, you know, I thinking about this, I thought, well, there's a one word answer. Uh, should I get a real, a, a real Christmas tree? And the short, the shortest of answers is yes. But okay. Course, there's a lot of nuance and context for that, but um, it, it's you know it, it's counterintuitive, I think, and I think people are beginning to realize that the, there's subtleties to it. So the thing about a um, a, a a real tree is that so I, I I'm a forest ecologist. I tend to look at things through the lens of a of a, how a forest works, and when you think about it, most um, most Christmas trees come from Christmas tree farms, so areas that where uh, where someone is cultivating a lot of Christmas trees. Okay, yeah. Way that mimics a real forest in a in a kind of simplified way. So you've got a lot of trees. Uh, the biggest things about a forest are that they've got trees and they've got soil. And when you think about it, 
a Christmas tree farm where most of our live real Christmas trees come from has those two key elements. So it's functioning in many ways as a kind of mini forest. Uh, it's providing habitat. It's um, absorbing carbon from the atmosphere, minimizing or reducing the impacts of climate change. It's filtering the water we drink. A lot of the water uh, for our major water supplies across the country come from filtering water through forests into, into reservoirs, into, into lakes and rivers. Well, I think so, that's so yeah. interesting, like just, just to pause on that briefly, because I think a lot of, you're right, one of the reasons, and I, we're going to get into all the reasons why people think that it isn't a great idea to get a live tree. I think one of these huge myths is that people are just like, I don't know, walking into a random piece of land and cutting down a random tree. And perhaps that's because we've seen that kind of reflected in old holiday movies and such and such. And so people don't necessarily understand that these Christmas tree farms, like you're mentioning, are little mini ecosystems. And I mean, the next thought process would be, well, you know, is that, isn't that harmful to the environment in terms of just like letting something grow and then cutting it down all the time? But you, you're already mentioning that even if these things are potentially temporary in the scheme of things, um, they're still good for the planet, right? Right, right. And I think what you, what you just mentioned, Laura, that the kind of the visualization of walking into the uh, uh, intact forest and pulling a tree out of there, I, I think something like 97% of Christmas trees come from Christmas tree farms. So a very tiny percent come from actual forests, which I think is good. I think concentrating the, the, um, the focus on these Christmas tree farms and not randomly plucking trees out of forests is the right way to go. And yes, the, the impact is temporary. So you, if you, when you cut a tree, it takes about eight to 10 years to grow a Christmas tree from seedling. And when the farmer cuts that tree for sale, they usually plant one to three additional trees. So um, so that tree is being replaced. So that tree for eight to 10 years has pulled carbon out of the atmosphere, has provided habitat, but there's other trees every year being planted more than are being cut to replace those trees and do provide those same functions. Also a very small percentage, there are somewhere between 350 to 500 million trees being grown in the U S every year. Wow. And only a small percentage, less than 10% of those are cut each year. So the rest are continuing to sequester carbon, pull it, pulling carbon from the atmosphere, again, providing habitat and, um, and all those other functions. That wow, we, we that's, a huge, that's a huge difference, right? Yeah. Like 30 million per year out of the, the, the general population of 500 million, like being specifically grown on tree farms. So that's really interesting. And I, I like the point of, it's not even a one-to-one -one situation, right? Like oftentimes multiple seedlings are being, you know, used to replace things. And I also think, um, you know, just, just visualizing the amount of actual carbon capture that's happening with all these trees is really interesting. And again, not necessarily something that I would have thought about before. Sure. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And young trees growing actually sequester at a faster rate um, than, than older trees. But I will say, and I mean, I'm just going to be a forest ecologist for a second and uh, <laughs> be very pragmatic. You know, there's no there's no perfect answer. So in some ways, a, a, a Christmas tree farm is not identical to an, to an, to a, a a living forest. Sure, there isn't a diversity of species. There's not a diversity of ages. There are no old trees. So I just want to be um, 
realistic in the con but that doesn't mean it's still not the right uh my 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 very short answer at the beginning yes is still uh the, the right answer to your question but i just want to let your listeners uh, understand that it's there's nuances and complexity Absolutely. I mean, that's what this whole podcast is about. I mean, there's right. never a perfect answer when we think about the most eco-friendly X, Y, or Z. There is just, there's never a perfect answer. Right. But as we unpack each topic, we do realize that there are better options than others. Um, and I think from our perspective, it's really interesting, I think, to think about the larger picture and, and understand a little bit more about, you know, here's the the ecosystem that these trees are creating here, you know, they're they're supporting air purification and, you know, natural habitats for wildlife, you know, you're also most likely supporting a small business, right? You're supporting a farmer that has a tree farm, um, maybe compared to a large corporation that's making a giant plastic tree. Um, so, you know, that is also, you know, another another bit. Um, and so the other thing that we really wanted to talk about as well was thinking about, okay, so, um, you know, let's 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 go through the life cycle here right so the consumer goes they they pick up a tree hopefully it's from a local farm um hopefully you've got a you know a, an area of your town where you can grab one locally but maybe you get it from a big box store um and you know you 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 bring it home um now we're going to say like you know we'll talk a little bit about why this might not be the right answer for everybody for a variety of reasons but let's pretend you're somebody who can sure. um you know physically lug this massive tree on your car into your house etc you get it there you decorate it you have a great time so once you know the holidays are over um, we get a lot of questions about like the disposal of, you know, real versus fake, et cetera. And, you know, we can, we'll talk about the fake here in a second, but let's talk a little bit more about like what happens, number one, to trees that we, um, you know, we consume as consumers, like what's the best way to dispose of them? And then the second part of that question would be, you know, what happens to the rest of those trees that actually don't get taken home? Mm. Yeah. So I really want to, in, in preparation for talking to you today, I wanted to kind of confirm my assumptions about my own town. Yeah. So I called my uh, local department of public works and said, what do you do with the Christmas trees when you pick them up? Because we, in this town uh, and many towns around me here in Eastern Massachusetts, we pull them to the curb after, after the yes. holidays. Yes. And they told me that they contract with someone who grinds them up, um, composts them and uses them for mulch. So they're, they're returned to a natural setting by by grinding them up um, and using them for mulch uh, in city gardens, city um, parks, and that kind of thing in the in the area. And I think that's done a lot, at least in this part of the world. I think it's probably the most economical um, thing for towns to do too, because landfill costs are are continually rising. Yes, it makes no sense to put a, a live Christmas tree in a um, in a landfill, of course, uh, but it may happen across the country in different places, but again, I would. So, what one thing I recommend is finding out from your town where they go. If they, yeah. if they're picking them up from the curb, find out. And if they're being used as mulch, of course they're 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 of course releasing carbon then. So they're they're part of that life cycle of of um, of climate. But again, if we're planting two one to three trees in replacement of that tree, our net benefit is. Uh, as a car, as a climate benefit, so find out what your what your town is doing. Uh, if they're if they're grinding them up and using them for mulch, that's ideal. There are some other things that folks can do too. That if um if you have enough space 
on the property where your where your home is. You can actually keep that Christmas tree on your property. You can cut the limbs off. They make a great kind of covering of your beds, your perennials, your uh, your garden beds, and okay. provide some insulation for next year's growth. Some mulch. Uh, that 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 stem of that tree can be um, can be tossed in the garden as well to slowly decompose. So you can you can keep that it all within your home ecosystem if you if you'd like to. Um, yeah. And I mean, Hey, yeah. there are, you can always, so my husband loves, we have a, I, I live in Seattle and I believe we do a similar um, situation with our tree um, recycling um, ecosystem, but I need to call them too. Um, I'll talk a little bit about why we actually don't have a real tree. And I had one growing up. I'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, one thing that I was going to mention was if we were to get real trees, uh, my husband would highly enjoy going and chipping it up himself. <laughs> you can always rent a wood chipper. I know this yeah. because we've done it before as we'd had to. Um, somebody had left a bunch of, we didn't actually, we we are very, my husband and I are very much quote unquote tree huggers. We've never cut down a tree and I don't think we ever would in our own backyard. Um, but somebody had left us a bunch of giant stumps. So we did have to chip them up myself, ah, ourselves. So right. I could tell you, he'd probably be all excited about that. Um, because there's a local tool rental place that we can go. Um, but I, that would be thing... fun. To... Sorry, Laura, I don't, <laughs> yeah, don't want to interrupt. Yeah. But you don't, you don't necessarily need to go that far. I mean, if, it, if it would be fun for him, <laughs> but you can literally take your pruners and cut the limbs off and, uh, and leave it at that. You don't necessarily need to chip it. And so you just, you're talking about just having a big tree stump kind of just hanging out in your garden. Is that what you mean? Well, let's say the tree is seven feet tall, which is fairly typical. You cut the, cut the branches off, which are generally at the most an inch across, lay those out on the ground on your garden beds. Then you're left with that stem or trunk, which is seven feet tall, maybe three or four inches at the base. Yeah. And that can literally be tossed at the edge of your garden. You can be used for a garden edge. Um, you don't, you don't need to chip it up. That will decompose in the matter of two or three years as well. Okay. So, that, yeah. yeah. So there you go. So you don't even have to, I mean, Hey, maybe, you know, knock yourself out if you're like him and you love to power tools, but otherwise, yes, don't, don't exactly. need to even, <laughs> right. you don't even need you to mess keep it with simple. it. Right. There we go. I love that. Well, no, that's a great, that is a great, um, you know, point to get across. And so, so we, we've talked a little bit about that. And, and I think it's a great tip that you share with the listeners, which is, yes, like it, it makes total sense to call your local, um, you know, d- Department of Public Works or whoever handles your, um, you know, trash pickup and recycling. I'm sure folks that are in large areas also probably can access some of this information online, but it's always really important, I think, to, to understand a little bit more about the ecosystem that you personally are operating in. So um, we've talked about sort of the, the the real tree part of the equation, and there's there's one piece that I kind of wanted to, um, to get into that we talked a little bit about um, um, at the top of the episode, which was, was thinking about, okay, it's the, what we're discussing right now is, you know, not necessarily a one size fits all part of the equation. And so we talked about how, you know, live trees might not be for everybody from um, a, you know, physical perspective. Like maybe you can't like lug the tree to, into your house, everything like that. Um, there is also, um, you know, the, the, the equation of, you know, transportation. So if you're in a big city and you don't have a car, that might be kind of a hard thing to do. Um, there is a, um, you know, financial piece to this as well, where, you know, it, it is going to cost more to buy a fresh tree every year, um, assuming you use your fake tree for a long time, which a lot of people don't. We'll, we'll talk about that. But let's say you buy a tree and you use it for 30 years, like you can, you know, be 
be pretty sure that buying a fresh tree for 30 years would be a little bit more expensive. Um, and actually the, um, the reason my family, um, you know, my, my adult now family and I, um, what we don't do, we don't actually get a real tree because my husband is highly allergic to them. Mm. Um, so he, he literally can't, I even in my, um, sadness, cause I grew up with real trees. I love them. And I, uh, you know, we have an artificial tree that we've used for years and years and we will for, for years to come, but I also will, will burn a candle and he can't even handle that because <laughs> of the <laughs> candles have like the real uh, oils in them. So right. unfortunately I can't, but I'm sure very much Andy that you, you personally buy a real tree every year. Is that right? That is actually true. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And it's, yeah, the tradition, uh, my daughter and I go out and pick one out and, uh, I love the smell. Yes. Uh, I just, I'm a, tr a very passionate about trees. So it's very nice to seasonally have one very close in the house. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and we used to do that in my family too. So yes, maybe perhaps my daughter and I can go and um, <laughs> just have a little mini one um, that we sure. perhaps keep on on the uh, porch or something like that, because I, I, I miss that. And so when we think a little bit about other options for people, number one, uh, one option that we, we kind of put in the notes, and you had some thoughts on this too, which I loved, which was there's there, I'm hearing about people um, renting um, renting trees. Like I, I don't understand what this is about. So it sounds like you can literally rent a live tree and someone comes to pick it up. Like to me, that doesn't seem, eh, it doesn't seem optimal. And it looks like that was kind of your thought as well, right? Yeah, and the first time I heard of that was through you know ch ch chatting with your you and your team before. Um, yeah. Before this. But I did look it up, and uh, it, that sounds like what what it is. It, it's uh, where someone brings a tree, uh, a live tree, to your home, and you use it for the holidays, and then they pick it up. So that means that it has to have roots, which means that it's either in a you probably most likely in a pot, yeah. uh, with some soil and the, yeah. and the roots. Sometimes trees are are sold with um, the root ball in wrapped in burlap. Um, so so it's probably one of those two. So. My my gut, re well, first of all, I, I see that it's also very available in very limited locations. I of think, course, yes. Of, very niche, they, niche right, option, right? Niche. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the challenge to me is that um, it then becomes very heavy uh, yeah. when you've got soil that's actually, you know, needs to be watered. And um, and so you probably want a smaller tree than you're used to. And and then you've got to be really diligent or the tree, because it's easy to dry out a tree. Yes, it uh, is. Especially inside. I know even with keeping a, a, a fresh cut tree watered so it doesn't dry out, is it's hard to re remember. You almost need mm -hmm. to put a, put a sticky note somewhere. But so, and um, so you're going to get a smaller one. It's, uh, I, and, I, and you have to remember to water it. And then I think all the back and forth to me, it, it's hard to believe that it, its survival rate over multiple years would be high. Um, and it sounds a little more expensive. So I was thinking, first of all, if you actually have some land around your house, why not buy a live tree if you're going to go that route and actually yes. plant it on your property? So it's, it, it's, it's economical then you're getting the Christmas use out of it and you're then planting it to grow into a full tree uh, in your yard, which to I me love is this idea. Exciting. Yeah. Yes. No. And maybe this is my answer, right? Maybe we go on. But, and, so curious to know, Andy, like, are there, I mean, I'm putting you on the spot because I don't think we asked you this in the, the, the notes, but like, are there any varietals that you feel like would, you know, are there, are some of those harder to take care of than others? I'm sure there are. <laughs> um, you know, most, 
most Christmas trees are are native or close to native to to where they're being sold. So I noticed that okay. the, the tree species. I just took a quick look. The tree species grown out on the West Coast are very different from the uh, tree, trees that are grown and sold on the East Coast. Aha. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, okay. Which is good because yeah. um, they're. It sounds like they're not being transported all the way across the country. They're being transported more locally, uh, which makes sense uh, from a from a transportation, fuel, and climate perspective. So the trees. I'll just speak for, to the East Coast for a moment. So Fraser firs, yeah, um, balsam firs, sometimes pine, uh, sometimes cedar are used, um, and those are all native. A lot of those will do very well in the yard in New England, in the uh, Mid Atlantic. I'm, I can't necessarily speak for the West Coast, but I, I know they're using things like Douglas fir, uh, noble fir. So I don't know how those would do, for instance, in your yard in Seattle. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, but that, yeah. that's a great that's a great point, which is you're right. Local nurseries are going to have the best exactly. you know, recommendations. And it is an option for folks that have the ability to do that. Um, so right. I love that idea. And it's not really one that I had considered before. Um, and the other, I will tell you the one kind of halfway point that I've considered um, is when I've walked, you know, to and from a Home Depot, right? You see the nursery, you do see little Christmas tree-esque, um, you know, shrubs that are right. in pots. And that's not a bad idea too, either, right? Because you could always use that in your garden afterwards, right? It's not necessarily exactly. quote, unquote, a Christmas tree, but it's a, you know, it, it certainly if it was decorated, it could it could fill the need um, and you could use it year round. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Just to, to, have, to have a living tree and to see the greenery and then, right. And then you can plant it for the long term. There we go. Maybe it's one of those little mini ones like Charlie Brown had. <laughs> exactly. And um, two, two tips there. One, if you live on the, in New England, like I do, you might want to dig the hole before Christmas because the ground is frozen in Christmas. Yes. So dig the hole. Uh, you can even then just stick the pot in the ground, throw some soil over it and plant it in earnest the next spring because one thing you want to do is make sure the roots don't freeze. Ah, okay. Um, so that's, that's a just good point. a tip. Yeah. And the other idea too is I know you want that tree inside, but you could literally plant a tree, a pine, a spruce, a fir outside and decorate that um, if you can't, if you don't want to use a new one each year or if, if like you, uh, allergies prevent you from bringing it inside. So that's another alternative as well is to literally plant a, a tree that's used as a Christmas tree outside let it grow and flourish in your yard and decorate it um, annually outside, right? That's so you know, fun. Plant and right you, outside the window. Th- that's right. Plant it right outside the window. You know, as right. it grows, you might need like a, you know, a bucket truck eventually. <laughs> <laughs> right. But we actually, we do have a neighbor um, who's got a massive, I think it's a pine, but it's, it's huge in their front yard. And they do, they, they get, I don't know if it's a bucket truck, but they get the biggest ladder I've ever seen. And they, wow. they decorate it every year, which is really cool. So I love that we've been able to have this conversation and talk about it. Um, so I, you know, keeping us on track a little bit as well. Like we, we didn't talk too much about the environmental impact of artificial trees, but mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to just briefly touch it because, you know, like we said, there's not a one size fits all solution. Um, an artificial tree might be the best solution for your family, whether it's allergies or, um, you know, folks that aren't able to purchase trees like we talked about earlier, but we did want to talk a little bit about the facts behind it. Right. So, you know, on average, Americans typically only keep artificial trees for about six years. That was a big question I had, which is like, okay, a lot of people go and buy these fake trees. 
But guess what? The next year you go back out, maybe you see a new and improved model with better lights or a different color or something like the temptation, I would imagine, to get new trees for people that, you know, like shiny things. This is probably great. So as we found out, yeah, six years is, is not a very long time in the scheme of things, especially if you think about, um, you know, the materials that these are made of. And you actually need to reuse your artificial tree for a minimum of 10 Christmases to quote unquote, keep its environmental impact lower than a real tree. That was that was the statistic and the facts that we found. I would also say, though, that like to me, that 10 year figure seems low. If you think about like, you know, the amount of plastics and like not recyclable type plastics that are used on used on these trees. Um, so for me, I'm kind of like, I mean, I know we found it, but I'm like, eh, I'm a little skeptical. I mean, my I believe the tree that we use in my family is at least 10 years old at this point. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> That's um, great. You know, another another inf- a piece of information that we found is, you know, like I just mentioned, just because something, and I'm, I'm sure you get this question a lot of, at the Nature Conservancy, Andy, but like people a lot of times will assume, oh, well, plastic is recyclable. And it's like, no, no, no. Like most types of plastic are actually not recyclable. And all of that is very highly dependent on the facility that you have access to from a recycling capability. So, you know, a lot of trees, most actually artificial trees are not recyclable. They're made of the type of plastic that can't be recycled. So they end up in local landfills. So, you know, we're talking about roughly 10 million artificial trees per year in the United States are purchased. And about 90% of them are coming, you know, they're being shipped across the world from China. Um, and so we're, we're also seeing a pretty big increase of carbon emissions and resources. And this kind of brings me, so, so we're talking about this, like, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a great solution. We'll talk a little bit about ways you might be able to, um, to reduce the impact of your artificial tree in addition to reusing it. But um, Andy, one thing that I, I think I forgot to ask you, but it, it's, it's coming up now as we're talking about carbon emissions um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about um, the, the the local equation? I know we talked partic- particularly about supporting local farmers, but do you have any information about like um, you know how close trees are being grown, uh, live trees are being grown to their consumers? Yeah, that's you know I I thought of that too and wanted to circle back. So thanks yeah. for, for bringing that back up. There so many there's there's a lot of Christmas tree farms. Yeah. Uh, in in your part of the world, the, the Pacific Northwest, um, in my part of the world, New England, the East Coast, uh, that's true for us because we're um, we're we're in an environment where trees are grown. Yeah. We're in the central part of the country. You may a tree might need to come from a farther distance, but I, I noticed that the biggest Christmas tree producing states are Oregon, uh, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. So they're they're kind of spread around, but there's yeah. a lot of trees grown in New York State, in um, in the New England states. There's trees grown grown in almost any state that actually has forest as its natural cover type. So there's always growers local to you. I think there's over a hundred in the tiny state of Massachusetts. I talked to a, a grower last year who works who whose farm is just um, about 20 miles west of where I live, outside of Boston. Okay. I I if I can get my daughter off her uh, soccer field and basketball court. I really want to drag her out to um, <laughs> to that farm this year and, and do a cut cut your own because I've never done that because I think that would be really fun. Oh, um, absolutely. And, you know, the thing I was going to mention too, especially it, it's kind of hard to think about it from the c- consumer equation from an economics perspective, but 
Um, if you are a retailer, um, whether you're a you know Home Depot or a, a small nursery, you're going to sure. want to source a tree as close to you as possible, right? Because it's a it's an economical situation. Like obviously, getting a tree to come to you from you know halfway across the United States is going to be more expensive from a shipping you know cost perspective than something that's grown a little bit locally. So, granted, the big box stores. They're, they've got their logistics down to so many reasons. I, right. I, I doubt that they, you know, care too much about that. But I would venture to say that, you know, the, the smaller shops are going to be looking for stuff as close by as possible from a purely economic perspective, if not also wanting to support farmers. Um, so, um, you know, I, I think that's a really interesting piece to consider as we think about carbon emissions um, and, you know, the pure, you know, just just a massing of carbon um, that is equating to all this transportation, right? <laughs> right. No, that's great. And I, yeah. I do, I think it's, you know, to get more involved, a, con, a, a consumer can literally talk to the, to the pr uh, provider who's, um, who, where you're buying your Christmas tree. So if it's a church parking lot or a farm stand or the farm itself, find out, you know, where they're growing them and how they're growing them. And that's a great way to get involved in, and make sure you're, buying a more local tree. And I don't think we fully explored this. So if if we're supporting a farmer who's growing trees on their land, we're in we're in helping that farmer um, keep their land in a natural state because there are a lot of economic pressures on people in general and farmers yeah. in particular um, to say, well, gee, if I sell 20 acres to a developer and put a subdivision or a or a strip mall here, I can make a lot of money. But if I'm making money from Christmas trees, I can keep this land in a natural state and, and you know and grow trees and I've got soil that I'm taking care of. So if we're supporting an economy that supports open space and natural lands and natural processes by buying a local tree from a, a, a small Christmas tree farm. Absolutely. No, and yeah. I, I love that piece. And so, so like we said, listeners, there's a bunch of different options. Like, just like we talked about, there's not a one size fits all solution. And so the, the bottom line is, you know, real is better than fake, which again, we're, we're busting that myth wide open. It's, it's better for all the reasons we mentioned, the more local you can find it, the better. But if you do have an artificial tree, you know, Number one, make sure you use it as long as you possibly can. Try not to get, you know, tempted by the new and shiny ones that you see, you know, in, in your big box stores. Um, and then, you know, when it comes time to dispose of the tree, you know, it is entirely possible that there's other ways for you to quote unquote dispose of it. I, I talk about this a lot um, in pretty much every episode now, but, you know, look at your local your, your free Craigslist uh, listings or your local buy nothing group. Like just because you don't like a Christmas, you don't need your Christmas tree anymore. You want to replace it or whatever. doesn't mean somebody else can't have a use out of it. Right. Um, I actually, I've heard at one time somebody went to go get rid of their artificial Christmas tree and it actually was picked up by a um, local high school for their theater, uh, <laughs> their theater uh, productions because they needed it for like a forest that they were creating on stage. So like, there are other use for these things. Um, you know, if, if you, if you need to get rid of them, you also could consider, um, you know, it's possible to, to potentially give it to a secondhand shop or even source your own tree from a secondhand shop. So, you know, definitely consider the, I don't know what we, we call it the sharing economy or the, just the general bartering economy, like consider doing something like that before you throw anything out and especially something really big, like a Christmas tree. Right. 
That sounds perfect. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I, there's, you know, we, we talked, we've talked about all the options, obviously listeners, there's other options that you can do, um, you know, rather than um, buying Christmas trees. I mean, you know, of course you can completely opt out. There are, um, you know, decorations and things that you can do to have a great holiday season. You also might not uh, celebrate Christmas because of religion. And so in that case, you're kind of, <laughs> you don't even have to be too concerned about this conversation in general, but, um, there are, there are so many different options for you. And I'm, I'm super excited. Andy and I were able to walk you through some of them. Now, Andy, um, you know, as we're coming up on the end of the episode, I always like to ask our guests um, the same question because it's to me, it's so interesting to hear the different perspectives here. But, you know, so from from where you've been sitting, right, you say you've worked for uh, the Nature Conservancy for over, over 20 years. You've probably seen quite a few things come and go in terms of what's popular with consumers and people in general. But one thing that I find to be exciting is the growth and the movement that I see happening right now in the ethical and sustainable lifestyle movement going on. So I'm curious to know, like, from where you're sitting, what is exciting you the most about this space? Yeah, great question. I, I feel like, you know, this comes from my work and just my my personal life, that consumers have more and more choices all the time. Yes. Um, and and they're becoming more and more affordable and, and mainstream. So, I mean, I think of a couple, a couple quick examples. My town a few years ago banned the use of um, single single use plastic bags in awesome. in, our, in our grocery stores, and I, I used to see shopping bags caught in our in our neighborhood trees like all the time, and now I don't, and they're not blowing around the streets. And I just think, and then you think of plastics in the ocean and and throughout the environment, and how much how much you know one decision by one small municipality can make that huge difference, and and it's spreading to you know it's not a statewide Bam, it's town by town in Massachusetts, but it's it's certainly spreading. Um, and then I think, you know, a much more complicated topic, but I think of renewable energy, which is really going to be key for both uh, our climate and and just our our the health and vitality of our planet in general, and how solar solar energy is being used by more and more people and electric cars by more and more people. Um, so, so that we can we can address those, and it's everything's becoming more affordable, and there's more incentive programs. So I see see the kind of individual, very uh, small things, all the way up to these big decisions that uh, are really going to affect our, our lifestyle on the planet. Yep, absolutely, you're right. I also have noticed the same thing about you know plastic shopping bags. Like in general, they also are not. Um, allowed in my area. And you're right, you just don't see them hanging out, um, you know, from a trash perspective. And so, you know, I, obviously, I think people have also become more aware of, you know, the environmental impact of littering. So there's that. But I mean, there's also just general mishaps where, you know, plastic bags get, get kind of blown around. So it is really nice to see that these alternatives, like you just mentioned, are becoming more accessible, more affordable, and consumers are just starting to to wake up and say, hey, look, um, you know, I'd like to know more about this, or I'd like to purchase this or, or be part of a movement that um, supports something like this. So um, Andy, I, I just really wanted to thank you for joining us. I, I'd love to talk to you more about like forestry and things like that. We could probably get into that like sometime in a future episode, sure. but just having your, um, your, you know, your, your expertise in this situation has been really interesting. And, and thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. I hope you enjoy the holidays and I hope everybody listening enjoys the holidays. Yes, very much. Thanks so much.
Thanks for joining us on another episode of Good Together. To get show notes and more, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. Finally, don't forget to join in on the conversation with us on social, where I know you can find us at brightly.eco. Don't forget, we're all on this journey together. So have fun putting the planet first and stay curious.